Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The stunning new documentary, Attica, is on the Oscar shortlist and is now streaming on Showtime and YouTube for free until the end of Black History Month. I spoke with director Stanley Nelson Jr., along with James Asbury and Arthur Bob Harrison, who survived the 1971 Attica prison massacre that killed 43 people. Hi, I'm Stanley Nelson. I'm the producer-director of Attica. I'm James Asbury, and I was uh, one of the ones that was victimized in the riot. My name is Bob Harrison. I was one of the ones that was victimized also in the Attica riot. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And of course, we're all talking about the, you know, the true story behind uh, in 1971, the the Attica uh, Correctional Facility, you know, the the prison riot that that happened and then the horrific, um, you know, backlash that that happened in, in, in retaking the prison and so many people uh, were, were, were killed. We'll get into all of that. Um, but Stanley, let's start with you. Um, you know, you, you've, you've done a ton of great documentaries over the years, you know, Emmett Till, Jonestown, uh, Miles Davis, Michael Vick, we, we've seen them all and loved them all. You're one of the greats, sir. But what, why, why were you drawn to doing, doing Attica? I assume you remember it happening and, and but why, why'd you want to make that your newest film? Well, you know, I was 19 or 20 years old when Attica happened in 1971. And, and so I, I was around and, you know, remember it. And I felt that the story had never been told. I felt that, that um, you know, we never knew why the prisoners rebelled. We never knew why um, law enforcement came in with guns blazing and, and, and killed so many people. Um, I thought that, that the prisoners' uh, story, uh, the former prisoners' now story, had never really been told. Uh, and that, you know, one of the things it, it does is it says so much about uh, the criminal justice system, you know, uh, especially not only back then, but especially today. Yes. And, you know, we, we've all heard Al Pacino shout at the name in Dog Day Afternoon. But uh, what I loved about I mean, th to me as a guy, you know, I, I was born in 1984. So to me, that was like my only experience to, uh, you know, my connection to this. Right? You know, obviously, you'd Google it after seeing the movie or whatever. But um, so this was like highly educational to me. And and I was just, you know, appalled by what I was watching. But let's get James and, and Bob on here. Um, I guess, James, let's start with you. Um, what do you remember about being there on the ground? Um, start with sort of sort of the you know the, the riot part first you know of, of why you guys wanted to take control of the prison and, and and protest some of the treatment there i mean i wouldn't go so far as why we wanted to i think what everyone was seeking was humane treatment justice because we are human you know even though there were mistakes made that created uh the atmosphere where they felt that incarceration was the answer to sort of like making you a participant of society in a in a normal manner, but it's always an abnormal atmosphere that you walked into. I was 20 years old, uh, a parole violator because I was a drug addict, and they 
they violated me for that. And the state of New York actually, um, I think about it nowadays, but it's irrelevant, but they sent a 20 year old myself to a maximum security facility. And I was a youthful offender. So think about yeah. that in terms of, you know, people, you know, people being able to do whatever they wanted to do. And not only was I in that category, there was a whole lot of young guys that was in yeah. that category, like L.D. Barkley, one of the ones that lost his life. We grew up together. They shot him with a shotgun in the yard. So, you know, because he was one of the, the, um, the vocal leaders and one of the ones that had a, a, a tremendous impact. But walking yeah. into that facility, what you felt was the eeriest feeling you might ever feel. There was no feeling of normality or anything. It was just like smothered in, in racism that no one tried to hide. No At one all. cared because they had you under the gun and that's where they wanted you to be. So they could pretty much do what they wanted to do. They used to call it rolling on people where if you had some kind of altercation with one of the guards, what they would do is wait till late at night and roll on you and yourself. When I'm saying roll, they had what they mm -hmm. used to call a goon squad. Yep. And they would beat you down. Everybody on the tier would hear all this going on. And that was one of those things of fear by intimidation or brutality. So, you know, imagine all that. And if there's people there serving a long length of time, you know, and trying to withstand that, either having the opportunity to work on their case to get a sentence cut or get freed on, you know, on a writ or anything like that, it was impossible because you stayed so stressed, so fearful of anything coming at you at any given time. And um, they knew this. You know, they censored your mail. If they didn't want you to have it, you never knew you got mail unless somebody got through and said, well, I wrote you. Why didn't you write me back? Or I sent you this. They would send you packages. You know, you were eligible for like 35 or 40 pound packages monthly. And a lot of guys didn't get them because it's something they wanted. They just took it. That type of stuff. Right, right. Well, you know, I it was just straight up mental intimidation. You know, they, they believed in emasculating a man. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Purpose. Bob, you know, I hear you chiming in saying, yeah, um, why don't you tell me sort of your story? And and again, um, I, I want to get to the uh, we'll, we'll get to the actual, you know, the the violence and everything that happened in a second. But just real quick, I'm setting the stage here, Bob, you know, just like James Asbury just said. So, Bob Harrison, what was sort of your experience day to day in, in Attica sort of in the build up to this thing? To me, it was like when you hear about hell on earth. That's what Attica was to me and stuff like that. And to so many other young men, like the brother spoke before I spoke, L.D. Barkley, this brother and myself used to speak on a daily basis before the prison was retaken. And I had talked to L.D. on a few occasions about the microphone. And he, he explained to me he was in there for some nonsense on a 90-day violation for what I, what I was told, and he would be getting out. By him speaking out, it cost him his life. And when... I speak, I try and speak for LD also. Like I said, I met the brother for five days. Those five days were the experience of my life that I'll never forget. You know, everyone talking about the retaking of the prison, but the things that happened in the prison yard, you know, for those four or five days was unreal also, you know, so um, it's painful. It hurts as I speak about it now, I can visualize certain things and stuff like that. And um, I don't think any human being 
they have to endure something like that, especially here in, in, in a place we call the United States of America, so-called most modern civilization. It wasn't civilized at all. It showed how people felt about people who did not look like them. Attic is a little small town within a town that was controlled by that prison. And everything and anyone there was obligated to that prison, maintaining, keeping brothers like myself in a, to me, it reminded me of the old days when we talk about plantations. And it hurts now, just as much as it hurt back then. Because when the brother spoke about LD, I could see his face as we spoke on a nightly basis and stuff like that. And like I said, when I do talk, I try and speak for me and LD. He's a good brother, back in jail on a 90 day violation, and it cost him his life. Mm. Yeah, well, I appreciate I appreciate you both, you know, sharing the, 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 these stories. I know I know it must be like, you know, painful memories to even relive some of this stuff. So I appreciate it. Um, you sort of set it up really nicely about, you know, the conditions there and, and, and why why you you know, the, some of the demands you wanted to make once once you did take take the prison. So r- explain explain how that process happened. I, I don't know which one of you guys wants to take this, but explain exactly um how how it happened how, how the prisoners were able to uh take control of the prison we'll, we'll get to the backlash in a second the horrible bloody backlash in a second but to, i want to focus right here in this question um how, how i guess maybe james james or, or bob whichever of you wants to take it but how are how are you able to organize and uh and take the prison itself you, you know I, I wasn't an organizer i was a participant not by choice, but I was a participant because I was there in Attica and I had to make a choice of which side would you stand on? Would you going to surrender and go back inside the prison or are you going to stand with the brothers trying to make a difference in prison, not only for yourself, but guys who came after us? And, and that's what the, the move was all about. Brothers got tired of being treated like animals. Brothers got tired of being treated like an object to use as you wanted to use it and stuff like that. So um, when that opportunity came or when, when the riot itself occurred because they had beat some brothers up over an A block from, 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 what I, from what I gathered. And um, that particular day was the last day. And, and during that same time, there's a brother out in California who got killed by the name of George Jackson. And from, from what I gathered from the brothers that I had talked to most leading up to the riot, everybody was in pain about George. Because George was a brother like ourselves, but George was a particular brother. And I said he was articulate because he was tied in with that sister Angela Davis. If you guys remember her from the, the 70s and 80s and stuff like that, she, she, she was an activist. So oh, he, yeah. he was the heartbeat of the prison movement at that time. And when they killed George, I think brothers felt if they killed him with that lie of talking about Angela, snuck a nine millimeter in, in, in her apple and they couldn't detect that, was this destroyed and broke the camel back. And people, brothers just got tired of being treated like modernized slavery and stuff like that. So then after the riot occurs, you know, you've, you've taken the prison, I guess, maybe let me toss this back to Stanley Nelson directing this, this film, but describe how over those five days before the horrific, you know, backlash that's coming here. Um, but in that five days, talk about how you sort of painted on in the film, sort of like the, it's almost like this community that takes place where, you know, on the one hand there's, you know, digging trenches and, you know, it's starting to stink with conditions and, you know, you're trying to find food and just living quarters and that kind of thing. But at the same time, it's like this village of 
ideas that's almost happening and people on megaphones and making demands and the media starting to pick up on it. Like talk about how you painted this, those five days as like, uh, um, almost like this new community happening. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think there, there was kind of a, a uniting of, of prisoners, you know, um, the <clears throat> uh, prisoners in Attica were, were, were purposely, uh, uh, set against each other, you know, um, uh, by race, uh, you know, black, white, and, and largely, you know, Puerto Rican, uh, and, and that was something that that was done on purpose. And and once out there in the yard after the, the prison was taken, they re the prisoners realized that that um, they had to be united and organized and organized themselves and and, and elected leaders, um, and 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 made lists of demands and and were really organized and, and you know it's an incredible. You know, uh, it's an incredible thing to see. I think that that one of the a couple of things that, that have to be said and have to, you have to understand. Well, one is that the, is that the prisoners seized about forty guards and uh, and civilian workers uh, in the prison, and so that's why the prison was, they didn't storm the prison right away. They had to negotiate with the prisoners because they had hostages, and that and that's and that's really important. The other thing that that's important is is that the the prisoners invited the media in and invited cameras in because they thought in, in, in many ways that 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 it would be some kind of protection if the whole thing was filmed and 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 uh you know the world could see it and that's what allowed us to make a film you know and and allowed us to make a film as powerful as it is because the 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 rebellion at attica was documented and documented day by day and the roller coaster ride I, he asked about the feeling in the yard there, but it was a roller coaster ride, you know, one of exuberance at first and, and, you know, then doubt and then, you know, um, uh, you know, fear set in because there was a realization that, that, uh, you know, the worst might happen and that, uh, law enforcement might come in and just, um, you know, with guns blazing and, and killing people. Absolutely. And, and talk about sort of in, we're in this, you know, very fragile period here where, where, you know, maybe your, your hope, you folks in the prison are hope, hopeful, maybe some changes will happen. Um, but talk about, talk about the, how, and you show this footage Stanley in the, in the documentary, but talk about how sort of government officials were reacting to this. You, you go, you show a lot of, of governor Rockefeller, you know, trying to just on the phone with president Nixon, should I go up there or not? And, and, and ultimately deciding not to talk, talk about sort of how you wanted to paint the context of like, you know, the government officials and how, how that was playing out behind the scenes on these phone calls. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the most incredible things about Attica, you know, for me as a filmmaker is that uh, it existed on so many different levels. So, you know, there, there were the prisoners inside the yard and, and really the prisoners, you know, didn't, really know what was going on outside the yard. Yeah, they had TV and they could see, you know, what was reported on the news, but they didn't know, you know, like how many, how many law enforcement people were out right outside the gates and the, the amassing of, of, of law enforcement, over 500 uh, law enforcement officers from different, from different places. Uh, so they, they, they didn't understand that or they didn't know, you know, exactly what was going on. And then, you know, what was going on on the state level because Rockefeller, as governor of New York uh, and one of the richest men in the world, uh, you know, was in charge of the prison system. But he was on the phone to President Richard Nixon. So there's a whole national thing. And those calls with Richard Nixon are recorded. And so you can hear them, uh, you know, Nixon tell Rockefeller, don't go. You know, the, the prisoners finally just wanted Rockefeller to come up 
to Attica and, and you know the the negotiators said you know you don't have to come inside just come up here and see what's going on and the tension and all the law enforcement and you'll know that something horrible is going to happen and only you can stop it but but Rockefeller's on the phone with Nixon who's, who's telling him you know no don't go and so it, it the the story exists on all these different levels um, at the same time. Yep. Um, and then, of course, the decision not to go. So that that sort of, um, you know, it sort of seals the fate, and 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 it, and it builds to this. You know, like like any great, even if it, you know, like a fiction movie would build to a shocking climax. This documentary does the same thing. Um, it all sort of boils over and builds to to when you know when the guards and the police officers, um, let's face it, most mostly white, um, are retaking the prison. All white. All, all yeah, right. All white, all white, and a mostly people of color in the prison. And nineteen seventy one, right? Right. All white, all white guards coming in for, and basically, it's just horrific uh, footage and, and photographs, just mowing down indiscriminately. Um, you know, the 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 majority people of color, in, you know, in the prison. Um, James and Bob, I guess let's start with James. I'll, I want to get both your reaction. Um, and I know, again, I know this is hard to remember back. It's hard stuff. But James, re- remind us um, what exactly happened and how they were killing people that wound up being, you know, some of the hostages were, were killed too. Like that's, that's how indiscriminate this thing was, right? All the hostages were killed. Yeah. With the exception of one by gunfire. There was one due to uh, the takeover. He died and pretty much that's pretty, that is pretty much what happened in terms of them not wanting to uh, just come in and try to find a peaceful solution and a humane solution. But moving forward, um, 39 people actually were killed on that day. Um, I can't begin to tell you the atmosphere because the atmosphere was just like in the 1800s when when slavery was sort of like the the dominant economic resource of this country. Slavery, cotton, tobacco, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, people were getting rich off the misery and the abuse and the brutality of African-Americans. So, um, you know, it kind of came to a head, you know, I, I heard the brother talking about, you know, the altercation the night before, and actually it wasn't five days, it was actually four days. Mm-hmm. Um, September the 9th to September the 13th was mm-hmm. the initial okay. uprising. You know, there was a lot of things, you know, Rockefeller sent Oswald in the wall, you know, but that was sort of like a peon move. Well, I, you know, maybe this will kind of cause the, the, the reaction to dissipate. And, and, and Mr. Nelson, he kind of, addressed a whole lot of things that, that were pertinent because he had time to really dig and investigate and find out. But um, the bottom line that could never be uh, undone is that it was basically because we were in a country town in upstate New York and That's the, like- primary, um, the primary thing was the prison industry. That's where a whole lot of people, you know, made money, sent their children to college, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, and it was, you know, nobody bothered to scrutinize what was going on. People were, were writing writs and, and, and you know, doing documents. You, you, you know, you're talking about, you know, sometimes it makes it seem like this was a conspiracy. This was a concern in all the prisons across the state. As a matter of fact, um, you know, most or a whole lot of the guys that have been in in the ride in Auburn were there. So pretty much they had experience in terms of that particular uh, action. 
and reaction. So they are, they automatically mingle. You know, the guys that were dissatisfied in terms of the treatment on a daily basis, um, the dehumanizing factor they had to go through. So, you know, it just naturally came together. It's just like when we were, you know, my forefathers were slaves. And some couldn't mm-hmm. take it, so they ran away. They say North was the promised land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what, in all actuality, truth be told, you know, and some people may think it's mythical, but, you know, people were seeking freedom because they were tired of being dehumanized. So, um, of course, people talk. Of course, people talk because, you know, what else do you talk about when so-and-so got beat down by the prison guards last night? So-and-so got shipped out. So-and-so went to the box because, you know, he, somebody hit him while he walked into the child hall in the league because he just didn't like him for that day. So he had some, he brought that into the penitentiary. So, you know, people were just tired of being beat down for no reason. And yes, they talked about it. Yes, they were sick of it. Yes, Brother Jackson, you know, he was, you know, I remember the guys talking about they had a sit-in where nobody ate. They went to the they went to the to the dining area and just sat at the tables quietly and silently and peacefully. That messed them up. So they kind of had a, yeah. a, a inkling of something something different was about to take place. Um, the lie about the, the, the gun, the afro, and all that stuff. You know, I mean, all these things. And people believe that because they look at us first as African Americans, or let's say blacks. Mm-hmm. You know, that concept and, and, and that perception, you know, of, you know, we were nothing anyway. So it's all believable. And then, you know, sometimes the news media had a whole different slant on anything because, you know, news sells. <laughs> So new yes. sale, whatever the truth may be, is, is sometimes it's is disputed or discarded because you know they want to be in the highlight. They want to win Emmys and Grammys in terms of news reporting, and, and and a whole lot of times it was warped. So you know it's just a mixture of a whole lot of things. But the only person that knows the reason is is is, is the people that are surviving. Hmm. So there's a whole lot of us that are not here now. It was like thirteen hundred men. Involved yeah. in that in, in 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 that murder, that's what you call mass murder. You know they they that's celebrate the Jewish um the Jewish culture because you know Hitler killed millions of them. You know, but nobody ever gives us anything in terms of how many of us have died in millions. this country all, through yeah. slavery. As well as well as I mean the Native Americans too. I mean yeah, it, it's its own Holocaust. It, it's, exactly, it's, exactly. So. so you know all of these factors, but people tend to want to. Just disregard that information. Half the Indian population suffers from the disease of alcoholism because that's all they got. That's how they trick the Indian nation, mm-hmm. giving them alcohol, selling a bill of goods. So you know, I'm saying it's just you know the perpetration of all these horrific, you know, racial crimes. That's what I want to call them. Racial crimes has been overlooked or just totally disregarded. Could I could I just say something before we? Um... Before we end, because I, I just I highly recommend this film. You hear how passionate uh, Bob and James are, and 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 they're incredible in the film, and so are so many other people in the film. And the footage has got to be, and the pictures have got to be seen to be believed. It's just hmm. unbelievable. They actually were filming when they went when they went in to take it over with guns blazing and killing people. Hmm. 
it's on film, you know, and the aftermath on film and how the prisoners uh, were tortured afterwards and made to crawl through the latrines and crawl through crap and mud and beaten and tortured. That's it's all on film. I think it should you should contend to win that Oscar. I think it's as powerful as any documentary I've seen this year. I mean, Summer of Soul, a bunch of them were great. But man, in terms of I put this right up with like, you know, Ava DuVernay's 13th and your film Attica in terms of understanding the prison system and criminal justice system in, in America. But where, where can where can we watch it? It's on Showtime and Showtime on Demand. They're, they're also making the film available for free on YouTube. So they're going to make it available to anybody that wants to see it on YouTube um, for uh, that's kind of their gift uh, to people for Martin Luther King Day. And so please, um, if you don't have Showtime, you know, take a look at it on YouTube. If you have Showtime, watch it on Showtime On Demand. You know, it, it, it's on there. It's in the rotation. Or you can pull it up on, on demand. We're doing a, a, a bunch of screenings still around the country. I think we have a screening in New York and uh, in Brooklyn this weekend. But we're doing some some other screenings. And, you know, we're, we're shortlisted. We're one of the 15 films that are still uh, in the running for the Academy Award. Hopefully we'll get nominated and, uh, you know, we can call James and Bob into service again <laughs> to do some screenings and, and uh, you know, uh, be together. It's so hard, you know, during COVID, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate you all taking the time to, you know, remotely call in during this time. And uh, and yeah, I, I'm going to we're going to post this interview and this you know podcast and everything. And we're and we're going to um, get it on the radio and we're going to try to push for that for that Oscar man. But I, regardless of awards, um, you know, it's it's a fantastic piece of work. And I think it's a it's a great tribute to the people that, that were killed. It's one of those events that will go down in history um, as a horrific thing. But I appreciate I so appreciate you capturing on film and I so appreciate you all three of you for joining me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and again, Bob and James, you know, thank you so much for, for all, all that you've done and, and for telling your stories um, so incredibly in the film. We appreciate you. I do. You know, I appreciate yep. you and, and, and your commitment to all these things. Uh, I do look forward to hearing from you again. Um, oh, yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So, uh, I have my available, Stanley. Great, great. Uh, we'll talk to you all soon. All right, all right. take care. Peace and have a great Please, everybody, stay well. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.